Greetings, film fans. How goes it? Welcome into another episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. It is the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined, as always, by the movie maestro, Mike Nichols, on Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Good to see you, Mike. So good to be talking to all of you as well. We've got a, a jam-packed show tonight, but uh, Mike, how's it going? Uh, did you win money at Bingo? I did. So my apartment complex does a bingo, and they let people like win money off of rent, and I won 100 bucks off rent tonight. Bingo wow. skills, baby. Yeah, I know, yeah. Was Bob Odenkirk uh, mediating the uh, the bingo round down there at, at your? And did, do you happen to live in like a? Do you live in like a, a retirement facility or what's up with bingo, <laughs> man? I didn't think anyone younger than sixty played bingo. I'm just gonna that's, say it. Yeah, that's right. I live in Shady Hills Homes for the seniors and yeah. near downtown Austin, Texas. <laughs> Shady Acres. Let's go. Yeah, there. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk was the facilitator, and uh, you know. Um, some other, <laughs> some other people up there were, you know, also running it pretty much everyone from the cast of the Irishman also live there with me. Uh, all of us so did you just, did you just get gangsters. lucky then? Yeah. I mean, that's lucky. bingo. Yeah. Bingo is you just get lucky. You know, it's not like, you know, you just listen and if they read the number, you strike it. And if the numbers are yours, you won. Congratulations. It's bingo is all just luck. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's the, the role of the ball, you know? Well, considering we had to put off the pod for it, I'm glad that it was worth it. Yeah, I did. You made the money. This is true. We were supposed to record like an hour and a half ago, and I was like, "Hey, man, I just found out they're doing bingo. I kind of want some money off rent. Can we just push this back by an hour?" And you were cool about it. So that's right. That that just shows the priority of which we hold this podcast. <laughs> Move around for rent money, baby. Right. Seriously, trumped by bingo. What the hell? <laughs> uh, anyways, tonight we will be attempting to check off our blockbuster movie bingo cards. You want to get right? Uh, yeah. As we as we frantically try and catch up on some of the big releases that have come out so far this year uh as you know we do like one one show a month so we're you know sometimes these movies come out and we're a little late to the party and reviewing them but we don't forget about them guys we don't forget we go back we, we we see the films that have gone by and come out and been out that maybe we forgot um and that's pretty much what we're doing tonight we're sort of going back and you know hitting some of these big movies that have come out uh i will say i'm com- i'm getting over a little bit of a cold so if you hear like a random mute in the middle of a sentence or a sniffle or my voice clearing i apologize uh but i'm going to try and get through this for you film fans i play hurt for you and i appreciate you listening here today so mike let's get into it uh okay. four pack of films. this is not like michael jordan's flu game you have a sniffle you're, you're sitting down talking and you have a sniffle you i play hurt i do play hurt, i guys. do it Oh, I, I can barely I can barely get sentences out here, Mike, and I'm and I'm just I'm here for the for the <laughs> listeners. Well, how's that different from every time we record? <laughs> wow, burn! Wow, I'm sorry, I'm so sad. Get off my show. My get bingo my wins. Show. My bingo win has made me cocky. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude wins a game of luck, and it goes straight to his head. Like, yeah. come on, man. Um, all right, so let's get let's kick things off here, Mike. No time to waste. Uh, <laughs> no time. Let's jump. Let's jump into the Northman. It's a movie yeah. that I have been so fired up about uh basically mm-hmm. ever since it was announced robert eggers has quickly become one of my favorite directors uh for those of you who aren't familiar his two previous films that have come out are the witch and the lighthouse both of which are super stylistic films this guy has quickly be- become one of the uh, the better auteurs out there in my opinion in terms of making original film with original look and an original flair um so this film uh is about uh Uh, The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. Uh, This film stars an ensemble cast led by Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Klaus Bang, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe, among others. Bjork! Bjork is in it, too. Yeah, Yeah. Bjork. I think Bjork is is that that second name I said. That's just what he's known by better is Bjork. Um, But, uh, yeah. Fun movie, Wait, um, did Mike. You say he? Is... Yeah, or she. Sorry, Bjork is. <laughs> I don't think I said Bjork. You're right. You're right. I messed that up. <laughs> you uh... Man, you are <laughs> oh, yeah, you she... are really under the weather. <laughs> hey, I told you, man. I told you I don't have the A games now. Yes, Bjork <laughs> is also in this. You are correct, Mike. But like I said, this is a movie that I have been fired up for about for a long long time yeah i think robert eggers is is honestly one of the best directors working today i think his movies are so cool they have this distinct visual flair to them and that continues in this movie Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is just a tremendous movie in terms of not just like the visuals of it, but just like the richness of um, you know the story. For those who are familiar with the story of Amleth, um, it's it's the basis for the Hamlet legend and, and for Shakespeare's Hamlet. Um, and this, so so if you know that story and if you've seen The Lion King, <laughs> you know you're gonna you're gonna understand what the plot of this movie is gonna be pretty quickly, but it still keeps you riveted. Um, it's a really beautiful movie. Um, I'm pretty sure they shot this, uh, in, um, uh, in like, uh, in Denmark or in, um, Ireland, maybe they, I mean, wherever they shot this, this is a beautiful, 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 like location. It really puts you right into the feel of the Viking world. I will say like, we've had a lot of Viking stuff like in pop culture in the last like 10 years or so. And especially even with Norse mythology, like a lot of, you know, the Marvel movies deal with Thor, but man, like where a lot of stuff makes it feel very like, you know, cartoony or superhero. This just makes it feel raw. This makes it feel very historical and very weird and spooky, which is the way it was. And I love that about that. Um, I think this movie does a great job of just drawing you into the rawness and a little bit of the harshness of that world, but then also like the spookiness of it and just like the otherworldly belief systems and how it drives people. And, you know, a lot of the, the more mystical experiences that happened in that, in those cultures where they, they would like take these different like mushrooms and they would do these dances and they would do these like, you know, ceremonies and stuff. And this just really dives into that. Um, and yet when it comes to showing a fight scene, it's still just very like historically gritty and uh, mostly realistic. Um, I mean, until the finale, which is just this epic, like two dudes naked in a, in a volcano fighting. It's like, okay, this is unrealistic, but it's incredible to watch. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a really just a well-directed movie. I think this movie, it was acted very well, but really the direction and the artistic design that whole process that's what really stood out to me in this movie yeah and and if that's to be expected with robert eggers i mean if you've seen the witch or the or uh, the lighthouse you know that both those movies really go all in in trying to capture the aesthetic that it's going for the time period that's going for for example in the witch you've got all the characters are speaking basically like old english in the puritan style the lighthouse is shot uh, on a smaller like frame with in all in black and white to give it sort of this old timey feel that helps to create mood and master Egg- or master eggers robert eggers quickly becoming like a director that just has this master class feel for creating tone and creating an environment in which he's setting his stories and i guess the thing that i was a little bit worried about with this movie is this this movie has a way bigger budget than either the witch or the or the lighthouse had so I was worried that maybe some of that auteur artistic flair that Robert Eggers has was going to maybe be lost with a bigger budget. And it was the exact opposite. Like, even though the scope was a lot bigger in this movie, it didn't lose any of that visual flair, uh, whether it was, you know, just depicting the Viking villages, whether it was the fight at the volcano that you mentioned or the ritual in sort of the catacombs with his dad when they take the mushrooms and it's sort of like him becoming a man or the way he shoots the raid on the village. It's super kinetic. You feel like you're right in there with it. Everything is just so primal and raw and dirty and the world feels so genuine and lived in like these people have been, you know, taking part in these traditions for however long they've been there. And the world is just so richly brought to life that honestly, Mike, the script could have sucked. The action could have sucked. And I still would have been so enthralled by this because Mm. I'd just be because every time every time the scene would change every little bit of what's on screen, like the attention to detail in this movie is top notch. Yeah, I will say, though, one thing about this movie that uh, I mean, it's it's going to be great for some people, but. I think that the long shots, especially with some of the dialogue scenes, made the movie feel a little bit slower. Like when those moments happens, it does. It's definitely it, it's showcasing the acting ability and like the location, and it's definitely showcasing, you know, just the moment. Like it tries to put you in the moment, but it does sometimes make the story feel a little bit slower. Um, like because they're because your eyes just have to like stay on the same thing over and over again. So I like at least for me, so there were parts of the movie that felt a little bit slower than others that felt a little bit draggy but um you know overall it was a really really like 
I guess it's not fair to say it's original because it's, you know, it's, it's basically Hamlet, but the way it was done, like, especially with all the other Viking stuff we're seeing come out, whether it's, and stuff related to Norse mythology, like this just felt very, very fresh. And uh, yeah. it was a real pleasure to watch it. it kind of did make me want to go see his other stuff. Cause I've never seen the witch. I've never seen lighthouse, um, mm-hmm. but I would be interested in, I'd just be interested in kind of watching those now just because of this one. Yeah. And I've, I've tried to get you to watch those, you know, it's well documented that you're not a huge horror guy. Um, and yeah. those, those, those are much more, I mean, there's horror elements to this, to this uh, movie for sure. But uh, those ones are more, you know, explicitly horror, I would say, uh, particularly the witch, uh, the lighthouse is more of like a psychological thriller with some horror elements in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely encourage you to see those if you like this movie, because it, it has that you'll see what I'm talking about when you flip those movies on where his world building and his, is his control of, of tone and mood is just top notch. And Mike, yeah. in this one in particular, who doesn't love a good uh, revenge story? I mean, it, obviously it's not the most original thing in the world, uh, you know, to, you know, avenging the death of your father. Um, but I don't know to see it played out in this sort of Viking world felt uh, really realistic to me because let's face it, this is like one of the most brutal worlds out there when they were, you know, raping and pillaging the village. That was hard to watch, um, but it was very authentic in the way they did it. And this entire movie feels authentic, even in a movie when you have, you know, seers and, you know, yeah, corpses popping out of the ground and, you know, this, this huge fantastical fight in front of a volcano. Uh, there is some like non-realism elements within the movie, um, yeah. but it still feels grounded somehow, which is, mm-hmm. which is hard to do. Honestly, that's hard to strike that balance. I, I give this one an A minus. What's your grade? Uh, I was at a eight and a half out of 10. Uh, really liked it. Yeah. I thought the um, I thought the uh, the hand to hand combat, the action sequences were well done. Really raw combat, um, and you know it's just nice to see like the Viking time period is something that I'm super interested in, but I don't know that much about. You know, because yeah. it's 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 so, and I don't. A lot of it is kind of a lot of people don't know a lot about it because there's not a ton of artifacts from that time period. But I appreciated jumping to the world because I. I felt like I was learning about the world at that time because these these regions that they're talking about are all like real regions and like the country that they were talking about is like a country that doesn't exist anymore. But yeah. I just found myself with a lot of movies that we've been talking about lately. I, I just found myself like going down a, a Wikipedia rabbit hole after uh, because I'm just like, oh, man, this world is so cool. I need to know more about it. And I want to watch that Vikings show on History Channel now. Have you seen that? uh i did see a couple episodes and i liked what i saw but i just didn't keep up with it no i just i don't know not, not for any particular reason i just i just didn't there was so much stuff i was watching you know how it is <laughs> were there any performances that stuck out in this movie for you um i thought uh alexander skarsgård was great especially um i mean n- no one was bad uh but i think like his stood out um Maybe Ethan Hawke and Anya Taylor-Joy a little bit stood out. Um, is like both have just feeling very soulful on how they did stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought Alexander Skarsgård was probably like the one who stood out as like yeah, like he's a scary dude. <laughs> did Did you read about how they made this movie and how all the actors were like talking about how they were just like, you know, it was basically hell on earth. They were basically making them live through uh the stuff that they were doing like they would be covered in mud or acting in the rain non-stop like remember how we heard all those stories when the revenant came out how they would like like they were doing like weird like actor stuff where they're like pissing themselves and like trying to make themselves just feel miserable to get oh, in the no. line yeah like it, uh, of... what's it called method acting that's what they're yeah. doing they're like oh i'm trying to get in this in this and i just remember reading about all the stories about the north and uh about how the actors were like oh yeah this was literal hell to make this movie but you know, you can tell on screen, you know, it's, it, it, it does look very authentic. So uh, yeah. I guess I appreciated it for that, but I had high hopes for this one. And honestly, it lived up to it. In my opinion, uh, I really like this movie, maybe a little slow at points. You might, I think you're right about that, Mike. Uh, there, sometimes there's, you know, there's a lot of character building and, and sort of drama and building up this final confrontation. Um, so when it does happen, uh, you know, it's definitely worth, it but you you have to go through a slog to get there so um you know i wouldn't say it's the easiest movie in the world to watch uh but it sure is fun it is uh fun to look at there's no doubt about that so that's the northman i believe it's streaming on peacock right now so if you have that uh you can check it out and i would definitely recommend doing so
Uh, let's keep it moving, Mike, uh, onto another movie that uh, we both just watched on Netflix. It's called Operation Mincemeat, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> name to me. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> uh, during World War II, two intelligence officers use a corpse in false papers to outwit German troops. John Madden directed this, not the uh, famous football coach or the director for Michigan State's band, uh, both named John Madden, but stars Colin Firth. Matthew McFadden, Kelly McDonald, uh, Rufus Wright, Jason Isaacs, Mark Gaddis, uh, among others. Mike, you told me that you would watch this movie and then completely forgot that you would watch this movie. Uh, so uh-huh. I'm not sure what that says about the movie. <laughs> I was like, I, I like texted you back. I'm like, I'm watching Operation Mince Me. We could review this on the pod. And you go, okay, well, I'll watch it. I go, Mike, you're the one who told me to watch it. So I'm not sure if that if maybe that was just a, a little slip of the mind there, Mike, or if it says something about the movie itself. Yeah, I think it's this thing about the movie. <laughs> it was, uh, so this was a movie that technically came out in 2021, but it didn't make it to Netflix until 2022. So that's kind of why we're reviewing it now. Um, but this is a film that is about a very cool World War II story. It's about the intelligence of a fake mission, uh, fake mission behind the invasion of Sicily. So basically what they did was it's this whole thing about how they get like, they, they fake a dead body floating up on the beach with like secret evidence. And then they have to have people like, you know, get it to the right hand. So the Germans think like this is happening and stuff. And it's a really um, incredible true story. Um, And the film does a good job of like walking you through the story. But then I do feel like, where this film gets a little lost in is kind of the complicated nature of the mission itself, where we spend the whole movie with this very small team. And then like the last, you know, third of the movie is kind of not with that team and with all these other things. And there's also like some kind of love stories in it that feel a little bit like forced and that don't really feel like they fit into the story the tone shifts around from being like this like very inspirational, like we as a country can pull together to then being like this little, like it's trying to be like oceans 11, but then it turns into like this like pride and prejudice. And it, it just gets a little lost sometimes with its tone and with its plot. Um, uh, even though it's got a great cast and it's an incredible story, I think the direction and the writing could probably have been a little bit more focused in how you're going to bring the story together visually to keep the audience with you um but i think it's an interesting story and any world war ii buffs like yeah give it a watch but you know be prepared to feel like it's more going to be like a documentary than something where you care about the characters and know them personally yeah don't go into this thinking you're gonna get some sort of big uh epic war time drama you know it's it, it's uh i think it's more of like a historical drama that's just kind of trying to educate us about it and i appreciated yeah. it for that because like this isn't something that i knew a lot a lot about and you know, even as a huge history buff and World War II person who some of my favorite movies ever, and I know you're the same deal with World War II. And it's like, I'll watch anything that has to do with World War II. But you know, there's so many stories like this within the oh, war yeah. that just we don't know anything about, you know, just interesting stories that could be told. Uh, you know, we obviously know the biggest things that happened in the war, but there's there's got to be so many little nuggets like this that can sort of yeah. just it's fun to sort of just zero in on this one aspect of a huge sprawling global conflict and sort of just analyze it. I think this movie could have been boring really easily. And it is a little bit boring, I would say, because while the story itself is interesting, making a movie about that story is kind of hard because you met, you mentioned the love triangle that's completely just manufactured. And the reason for that is because I think they're just trying to manufacture tension between Matthew McFadden and uh, Colin Firth, you know, our two main guys. They're just trying to add in an extra layer of, oh, are they not going to be able to work together because this girl's going to separate them? It's sort of like manufactured drama. Darcy versus Darcy. Right. But but (laughs) the reason I think that they do that is because this film needs sort of more to it. You know, Mm -hmm. because otherwise there wouldn't be much drama about it because the plan works. I mean, I guess we have that drama, like, is the plan going to work or not? But that's really the only thing. And if you're trying to, you know, fill out a full like feature film, uh, you know, there's a lot of exposition in this and like seeing what's going to happen and theoreticals. And there does feel like a lot of manufactured sort of tension within this movie simply because they need to do something to sort of jazz it up. Right. 
Yeah, and they even even they, they even like do things like Ian Fleming, uh, the the person right. who created uh, James Bond. He's, like, he's what are you writing? Yeah, it's like oh what yeah, yeah. We got Ian Fleming in this, and then he's like, eh, he's not in this anymore. It's like oh okay, like characters come and go based on the mission, and I think that that is probably accurate to history and how missions really play out. But when you're watching a movie and like half the characters that you were supposed to care about in the first 30 minutes aren't really part of it anymore for like a good chunk of the final 30 minutes, it's like, well, okay. Like just the story loses you a little bit. I don't know. Like I'm sure there's other movies where maybe that works. Like it just didn't work for me this time. But yeah, if you could just go want to watch something, a very interesting mission in World War II. Um, and it's a pretty, is, is like based on what I checked, it sounds like it's a fairly accurate version to how the mission went down for the most part. Um, but it's, it gets a little like tedious and slow and it's not as funny, I think, as it wants to be. Although it's beautifully shot and it's well acted. Um, I think the writing and the direction here just got a little, um, uh, a little uh, tangled. I think they really are just sort of going for here's what happened, here it is, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they did, they did, I, I give them credit for, you know, even making a movie that is watchable, uh, yeah. you know, with it's a complicated matter. mission. It was a very complicated right. mission. It's hard. It would be hard to make a movie about this mission. Right. Because it's, it's so like, it's sneaky, you know, it's not, yeah. it, there's nothing, there's nothing verbose or, or, or big about it. It's, it's undercover. It's all sneaky. And I think I did appreciate how the movie in the, at the end, you know, it in the epilogue sort of tells us how, you know, the, the soldier that posed as, as major Martin, his identity wasn't known until like 40 years later. And, you know, I, I did like the final shot of, you know, when they identified the guy who actually served as major Martin, I thought that was a powerful way to end it. Um, And this movie really felt like it was going for historical accuracy outside of adding the love triangle. I did appreciate it for just wanting to like educate us and tell us this story and fill us in. Um, and, and they really go from the top to bottom, like how this trout memo uh, thing sort of inspired the idea of mm-hmm. this. Uh, and, you know, we, uh, we, as Americans, obviously we know about D-Day, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's one of the most seminal moments in, in the U S history. Um, but, you know, this invasion of Italy for, for Britain to get a foothold for the allies to get a foothold in Europe, uh, period was was also massive and I feel like we don't talk about it as much yeah um, um, and so you know the invasion of Sicily was obviously huge as well so I appreciated this movie for at least shining the spotlight on that campaign right. and I definitely yeah. want to learn more about more stories about lesser known campaigns within World War II because you know there's so many of them Oh yeah, like I don't think we've seen like I could I mean I know they've made movies about but not as many movies have been made about even just Africa. And like, you know, all the battles that happened there. And then, you know, you've got so many like missions in the Pacific with, with the fighter planes and, and submarines and stuff like they're, they're making, I mean, there's endless World War II stuff out there, but yeah, it always feels like there could be more, which is just crazy how, how much like incredible stories came out of that one, like, you know, moment of time with World War II. But yeah, I, I'm glad that this story did get a movie. I wish it could have been a little bit of a better movie but uh you know if you just need something to watch tonight and you're looking for an interesting world war ii moment of history and you want you want to watch matthew uh mcfaden and you know colin firth be charming uh yeah like this is this is a this is a nice little film to watch i'd give this one a a b minus they also throw in the about uh montague about colin first brother potentially being a spy and all that and that, that just goes along with sort of like the sort of manufactured drama, I guess, that they felt like they had to yeah. add in here uh, because it's, I don't know if there was enough plot here to get through a feature film. So they, they definitely felt like they had to add some things on. And I think it, the film would have been better for just going for, or better yet, maybe this should have just been a documentary uh, potentially because it definitely has that feel to it. But I gave it a uh, six and a half out of 10 um, or check that. I gave it a seven and a half out of 10. I, I, I mean, it, I liked it. I did like it. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, I, I think it's because I just didn't know about it. And I, I wasn't looking ahead or reading ahead about anything. And so I was kind of like, oh, is this going to work? Is, I mean, I figured it worked because yeah. Sicily worked. That campaign worked. But um, just goes to show, uh, you know, how World War II, so many things went down. And if so many things didn't go right, it could have been a different result. And it's yes. just, it's mind-blowing yeah. to think about that 
now yeah. all these years later you know so yeah you know i hear people say oh if we did this this and then there probably would have been a world war three by then but you know it just would have been crazy uh to, yeah. if so many things went differently and this is just an example a snapshot if you will um of world war ii and if you're a history buff definitely worth a watch it's on netflix it's called operation mincemeat um all right let's keep plugging ahead you good to go yeah i'm good to go let's do it all right cool uh next up it's the fantastic beast the secrets of dumbledore uh it is uh, a fantasy film directed by david yates uh, i know this came out months ago how long ago did this come out mike how long have we been putting this off seriously i don't know this uh, feels like it came out 40 years ago uh. um so of course this movie is the next series or the next film in the secret in the fantastic beast series professor professor elvis dumbledore must assign newt's commander and his fellow partners as grindelwald begins to lead an army to eliminate all muggles david yates who directed some of the original films uh directed this one stars eddie redmayne jude law ezra miller dan fogler um mads mickelson here Katerin Waterston, Callum Turner, um, Allison Sudol. So, I mean, it's a solid cast. It's it's a good director. Mike, these Fantastic Beast movies have been an abomination so far. The first one, I guess, was passable in my book because it it sort of focused on the said Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Um, but the second <laughs> one, yeah. the second one was terrible it was so yeah. bad it was one of the worst movies i saw that year i think it was 2018 uh it felt like it was pandering it felt like it was simply existed just to set up sequels it was retconning things from the original movies i hated it excuse me that was a cough uh and uh <laughs> and so like i wasn't excited to see this movie i watched it earlier and i would say it's better I'm still not sure it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> I saw, I remember I saw the first Fantastic Beast movie and I was like, eh, that was okay. I liked the part with the beasts. I didn't care for much else in the movie, but it was like, it was okay. I think it was like a B minus or something to me. And then I started watching Crimes of Grindelwald on a plane once and I, I stopped it and I started, I was like, this is like, I love Harry Potter too much to keep watching this. I can't watch this. This is just awful. And then when Secrets of Dumbledore was coming out, like Catherine wanted to catch up and stuff. So I watched I watched all of Gr Crimes of Grindelwald with her. And yeah, it was not a good film. Uh, and now I've seen Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. So now I'm officially caught up with this whole Fantastic Beasts trilogy. <sighs> Listen, I'm... I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. The books have a very special place in my heart, a very critical time in my life. And I have special memories of reading them to my grandma. Like the, I, I will always love the Harry Potter books. I'm not a huge fan of some of the stuff that's been happening on Twitter with the author lately. And I'm definitely not as huge of a fan of these movies. Uh, so I, but I tried to like keep an open mind to be like, okay, I'm just watching this film for what it is. They've had a lot of drama with some of the actors in this, with Johnny Depp and with uh, now Ezra Miller. And like, I, I just tried to watch this for the, for the movie that it was. And I have to say for the movie that it was, it was still not very good. Like I didn't dislike it as much as I disliked Grimes of Grindelwald, but I still didn't like it. Like this, like it's just, these are just huge plot dumps about things that don't even really need to be or need to happen. Like, it's just, I, I just, there's so much happening that doesn't matter. And it's like this force thing that's going to pay off because all the Harry Potter things are actually, Harry Potter is basically just a mystery novel in fantasies. If anyone doesn't get that, that's what Harry, Harry Potter is mystery books, but it's fantasy um, and it's growing up and it's everything. And I love it anyway, but like, this is not a good mystery. This is not a good like story. This like I no one. It's it's like it's trying to have this huge important self important political commentary, but it just doesn't it doesn't land the same way that maybe Harry Potter did, just because it was a little bit more simple and it was trying to not like be as preachy, and it just kind of was characters doing. It was show don't tell, you know, like 
Mm-hmm. And this is just tell, 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 tell. And it's anyway, that's that's what I have to say just about the whole concept of the film. I have more You're... I have more other notes, but it's your turn to talk now because I've I've talked too long. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'll give some big picture thoughts too. Here's what I think the big issue is with these movies. It seems like when they first started out uh developing these movies, the idea really was to do a sort of spin-off about Newt Scamander and his adventures in New York and about him sort of wrangling these fantastic beasts, right? It seems like that was the idea. I was on board with this idea. I think that's a good idea. It takes place way before Harry Potter. It's way, you know, distant from anything happening in England. You're on a different continent, for crying out loud. I thought it was cool that we were going to get to see sort of the American wizards and sort of how that society all works. But it seems like when they started this, that was the plan. And then somewhere along the line, before Crimes of Grindelwald, somebody decided that they were going to have to tie this back to the original books or the original show. So what happens is you have this this character, Newt Scamander, who is a magizoologist, who suddenly is getting wrapped up in this huge plot and a young Dumbledore shows up and they're tying it back to the original books. So it seems like you have like these two ideas going on where you have this magizoologist and his adventures with magical creatures, but you also have, you know, Dumbledore's past and Grindelwald and you're trying to make all this stuff to link it to the original stuff. So you have two different things going on and they're both jammed within the same movie. And as a result, you have a character in Newt Scamander who I don't even know why he's in the second and third one. Why, why do you need yeah. a magizoologist to handle this stuff? It's just because, oops, we already introduced these characters and now we have to jam them into, you know, this, this movie that doesn't even really, you know, where he's not even really necessary or he's not even the best person for the job. I have to imagine there's better people for the job. So then you have like magical beasts that are sort of thrown in the second or third movie just so that we can justify Newt's commander being there. And yeah. the trilogy as a whole doesn't really even feel like a trilogy. It doesn't feel connected. It's obviously it doesn't help that you have th- three different Grindelwalds and three different movies. Uh, but but like it just doesn't feel cohesive. And the magic and the wonder and everything that made those original Harry Potter movies great is completely absent from here. It just feels superficial. And knowing that J.K. Rowling is involved, it just feels like a money grab. Yeah, she's definitely become. And, and there's a. I think part of the problem with these films is that there's been so much behind the scenes drama that it's hard to watch the movies and not have that drama in your head. Like the stuff that happened with Johnny Depp or the stuff that's going on with Ezra Miller or the stuff that J.K. Rowling was saying. Like, it's, Yeah, but I'm able to distance myself from that personally. Yeah, but I just not, watch not every, the movie. Yeah, but not everyone is. And, and I have to say, like, I think a big part of the reason these movies aren't as popular is is it is it's kind of like what you were saying like it doesn't feel as authentic like where harry potter felt like a special story that was being told like this like you know now there's been too much drama that distracted us from the story and now we can't come to the story just seeing it as a story anymore because because like the people behind it have so much you know leverage and stuff at stake and it's like okay this it 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 just doesn't feel as special if it was a good story i could have got over that you know yeah that's probably true you know, and it just, yeah. the movie just feels it feels overstuffed. There's too many characters. It's so much so that there's so many characters that you don't really relate to any single one of them. You know, yeah, there's and, there's too much going on, and they yeah. want you to care about these characters. But like, you know, they got Newt's brother hanging upside down in in this creepy, cool looking prison with like these creatures guarding it. And you know, the movie does look great. The effects are cool. You know, the production values are cool. But like in a freaking Harry Potter movie, you expect that stuff with a massive budget. What's the budget for this movie? Like, I, I can't I'm not sure I can give them, you know, some two hundred million dollars. I'm not sure I can give them a pass just because they made the movie look good. You know, we knew that was going to be the case. Uh, yeah, it's but, Harry freaking uh, Potter. OK, but let me ask you, did it look good? Because I don't think it did. Like, I mean, there's just there's a couple things that this felt weird. So, OK, number one, let's talk about the color. Now, I like David Yates. I think he's done a great job directing some of the Harry Potter movies, but I think we need a new director. Cause like all of David Yates movies, like all the colors blurred it all looks like black and white, like the Harry Potter world should be colorful. And all of his movies are just very like the tone of the color and the lighting. Like it's all just gray and black and whitish. And it just doesn't look very pretty. I don't, I don't think it does. And then there's also like just weird moments where 
you know, a character will be t- like talking and then all of a sudden another character is right up behind them and they're suddenly having this close conversation. And then it's like, we just need to see some kind of entrance or we need to see like, like the way people move in the movie doesn't feel human. Like where, where they stand, like there's moments where they're just having a conversation in the middle of the street in downtown New York. And well, technically they no are human, Mike. And there's no one there. It's just like, this doesn't feel right. Like this, like someone just walked it up to another person, say something and walk away. And it's just like, what? that's not how people interact. Like this is not another thing. Did you notice the way anytime something goes through the air, it turns into slow motion? There was like two scenes in a row in different settings of the film where it's like, like you know, like the little, uh, like, oh, Jacob is like flying through the air or something when he's at this banquet with Grindelwald. And like all of a sudden, everything in the air just suddenly, if it goes in the air, all of a sudden everything goes slow motion. The scene ends. We're now at a different location. And literally like, within like 30 seconds of the other scene, something goes in the air and it's all slow motion again. And I'm like, why does every time something fly in the air, we have to have all these slow motion shots? I don't know. Like, I actually like don't think it looked good. I don't I think, think the, the beast, movie looks I think the beasts good. look good. I think the, the various beasts look pretty good in animation. I didn't think it was an issue. I mean, that was I the one know. thing I'll give it credit for. And then, I mean, that's fine. If you don't agree, that's fine. But I, I, the one, I did laugh at Eddie Redmayne doing that crab shuffle. That was kind of funny. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was it, was, it was so goofy looking. I just love that. And I thought that prison was cool with like the big character in the middle. Um, you know, I thought the, the sort of old tiny New York, they hit that pretty good. So, you know, the world itself, I, I don't mind. I still feel like I'm in the wizarding world. I still don't feel like I'm getting enough of that, like secret society of New York, or they even go to Germany in this one. And they go to, I think China in this one. And I would have liked more, uh, sort of of how the wizarding world works in those places. Like there, I feel like there's things they could have done, but they're so hooked on this backstory of, you know, Dumbledore and his you know relationship with Grindelwald and like all this sort of weird retconning stuff that's going on to try and tie it back to the original and I'm just like I don't know man I don't I don't need this I don't need this why can't we just have a spin-off story of Newt Scamander tracking down you know Fantastic Beasts like we we don't need to tie everything back and maybe I'm in the minority in there but I just want to see a competent story. I don't need all this, you know, filling in the blanks and Dumbledore's secret nephew and all this stuff. It's just, it's just too much. And it doesn't feel authentic. It feels just like it's, it's doing it just for the sake of doing so, or for doing it because we need to keep Harry Potter in the consciousness. And then the other thing I'll say, am I the only one who gets irrationally upset when CGI animals get killed on screen? Like I did not. Oh, no. The first, the first watch. scene of the movie, they're killing the like these little... cute little deer things. Yeah, the, I'm like, the... come on, man. Yeah, like, it was sad. I'm like, I know these things are not real. They're just on a computer. But I'm also the guy who was like crying over a brontosaurus dying on the island in the second, uh, the second Jurassic World. So I guess I'm just a softy, Mike. I know, I, I know, I have this hard exterior, but you know, inside, I these, I, I can't handle it when I see these CGI animals getting killed. It just hits me hard. So, yeah, um, I did think Mads Mikkelsen was an improvement from Johnny Depp. Do you agree with that? Uh, I don't really think either one did bad or good. Like they would just, they, <laughs> you're so they were, bitter about this movie. No, I, can, I can just see the look on your face. You're just, pissed. I mean, okay. Now, can you tell me what Johnny did? Okay. Here's what I would ask. What did Johnny Depp do wrong with this poorly written character compared to what did Mad Mickelson do right with the poorly written character? I don't Mads think either felt, of them did anything right or wrong. It's just, okay, it's a character. Mads felt way more menacing to me. He felt more like, okay, this is a guy who's a dark wizard who's trying to take over uh, and hates muggles with a passion. And I, he just felt more menacing to me. He felt more like maybe it's just the look of his face or something, but I, I, he just felt more like intense to me. Whereas Johnny Depp felt like he was going for like this sort of more suave, sort of like crafty criminal thing. Whereas Mads Mikkelsen just felt like I hate muggles and I want to destroy them all, which if you want to talk about that, because that's basically like the thematic backbone of this movie is, you know, this idea that, a faction of wizards and witches would become hostile towards humans. I think that's an interesting idea. You know, 
like it sort of mirrors like themes presented in like maybe like X-Men and how the public perceives mutants and sort of, you know, discriminates against them. And I wish they would have dove into that more because that's like the, the driver for this entire plot is that he's trying to gain power through the, you know, the poor little deer thing. And, you know, he's going to declare war on the muggles and turn all these people to his side that muggles are bad. And, you know, that's an interesting idea. I think at least that's an interesting idea, but it's not really, they don't really dive into it. It's really more of just a plot device to get to where we get to. And, you know, we don't see those tensions by the time Harry is in the picture. So I guess the idea is that it's all resolved in this time period. I guess there's a little bit of muggle wizard tensions in, in the current Harry Potter books, but I just think that, you know, from a, from that standpoint, it could have been explored more. Yeah. I just think these movies are to me what like I'm guessing the prequels felt like to Star Wars fans and the Hobbit trilogy feels like to Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Like, I just feel like we're having like a, like someone who created incredible art now go back and try to do a prequel to it. And it's just, it's just not working. I'm sorry. Like it's, I think they need to stop. <laughs> Well, they're not going to. I can promise you that. <laughs> but uh, they should they should stop the, and just do the Harry Potter series and do it as an animated show, and do each each book as a whole season. And they should let the people who did like Arcane or Into the Spider Verse be in charge of the animation. Well, this movie and they should just do it word for word from the book. That's what they should this do. Movie grossed two hundred and five million dollars. So unfortunately, we're probably going to get the fourth and fifth entries. Uh, that's not, that's not this, that much. Which, no, it's the lowest actually uh, in of all the Harry Potter movies. So people are agreeing that this is getting a little played out. Um, and I, I don't think they've announced, I don't think they've greenlit the fourth or fifth yet. It would be nice if they didn't, man, because, but then again, Grindelwald gets away at the end here. So they definitely leave the door open. And that is another thing that these movies have done is they're constantly pandering to leave shit open for more sequels. So they're like um. not closing loops. And it's just... It's so obvious that they're doing that. And it's just like, it's not subtle at all. It's just like, oh, we got it. We can't have this happen because we need him to come back. Maybe, maybe if people stop, you know, keep going. So I agree this sort of going back and looking in and sort of piling on things. And I hope that I hope, Mike, that the Lord of the Rings series coming out and the Game of Thrones prequel, I, I really hope that they don't fall into these same pitfalls. Can I just say one more thing that annoyed me? So, you know, like, there's a couple scenes in this where things start happening and everyone runs. Like, with the scene where they try to, like, they're at some kind of ball and then they're like, oh my god, like, Jacob, that muggle is trying to kill Dumbledore. Like, look at it. He's like, no, it's not really me. Like, um, and, like, all this, like, magical stuff is spinning around and, like, chairs and that kind of thing. And, like, this is a room full of like hundreds of wizards, right? All of them just get up and run out like, Oh my goodness. Like stuff's moving. What do we do? It's like, you're all wizards and witches. Like you can just all pull out your wands and stop this. Every single person there has a wand. Why is everyone there reacting to magical stuff? Like, Oh my gosh, I've never, like you're all grown adult witches and wizards. Like you, (laughs) none of you think to pull out your wands and all do something like people like it just, Oh man, it just doesn't it, like it doesn't make any sense to me like how the logic of these movies work anymore. And I and I know that Harry Potter like has its plot holes or whatever, and that's fine. But like, but this just goes beyond what what feels believable and watchable in the moment. And I I give this as I give this a C. Yeah, I'm at six maybe, maybe out of ten. A, maybe a C. You know, I give it a C minus. <laughs> C minus. Mike's going to tack on a bitter minus at the end there because of what what they're doing. (laughs) I'm with you, Dan. I'm done with it too. I I don't like, I I don't like what they're doing to Harry Potter here. And these, these films feel like, you know, it's all just plot and no character. You know, it's, it's, it's all just a big exposition dump. It's all, yeah, it's all exposition dumps. And it's, there's too many characters. Their motivations seem weird. Like uh, Dan Fogler's girlfriend, Queenie just kind of flips on a switch she decides she wants to yeah. be good again oh i don't uh, want to support the nazis anymore i just like yeah, i'm back yeah. and, and they're all Ezra, like yeah cool 
Same thing with with Ezra Miller as, yep. you know, Dumbledore's long lost nephew. He sort of just flips after one conversation with his dad and his his uncle. And it's none of this feels believable because, yeah, you're right. There was plot holes in the original Harry Potter series. And, and the way J.K. Rowling got around that is if she had a plot hole, she just created some magical device <laughs> that allowed her to sort of write that plot hole in. But we cared about the characters. You know, we cared about what was happening. So we, we weren't as quick to, you know, point out why this doesn't make sense or why this is stupid or why this is going around in circles or why this is a repeat. When you're doing it here, when you have these overstuffed quantity over quality characters, it's a lot easier to pick out the shit that doesn't make sense. And ultimately, that's what these movies are. They don't make a lot of sense. They don't feel cohesive. And they really should just stop. I agree. So... Uh, that's fantastic. The secrets of Dumbledore. What is the secret of Dumbledore? Just that he had a, a, a gay lover. Is that the secret or what, what's the secret? Uh, I don't really think that was much of a secret, but <laughs> I mean, we've all read, we've all read the books. Like we know they were, yeah, I don't know. Like the secret of Dumbledore is it, it he, his, he gets bad movies. The secret oh, no, is he has a nephew. I don't know what the secret is. I'm like, what's the he, secret of the secret of Dumbledore? The secret of Dumbledore is that he's never really had a good live screen portrayal. With Richard Harris got close, but Jude Law is he's a good actor. He's just, he's not Dumbledore. Like R- Michael Gambon was not Dumbledore. Richard Harris kind of had some Dumbledore things going for him. Then, excuse me, rest in peace. We lost him after Chamber of Secrets. So, like, I don't know. I think Dumbledore is one of the most fascinating characters. In he wasn't getting Potter through eight too. movies there. <laughs> and he's just not, like, he's not been given a real good portrayal in any of the live action stuff. I mean, he's he's okay in the first two Harry Potter movies. But other than that, like, we just don't really get real Dumbledore. So, secret of Dumbledore is we're still waiting to find him. <laughs> I didn't mind Michael Gambone. I'm not going to lie. I think they'd cast a younger guy because he was going to have to do more physical stuff in those later movies. And I didn't see uh, Richard Harris out there, you know, jumping on step stones there when they have to go get the drink, the bowl of poisonous water or whatever. Uh, it was going to be hard for him to do that. So <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll t- well, I, I have a question. The reason I don't care for Michael Gambon's Dumbledore is just this one question I have for you. Hey, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? God. Okay. No. Okay. Anyways, that's Secrets of Dumbledore. It's another miss in this Fantastic Beast series that really isn't about Fantastic Beasts. Or even Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Fantastic, and there's no Beasts and no Secrets of Dumbledore. But hey, it's another Harry Potter movie. Go see it. Give us your money. It's not a Harry Potter movie. Don't even. (sighs) Don't even. Don't even the do wizarding, that. Don't do it. Don't do world. my boy dirty. <laughs> the wizarding world. Anyways, please just stop. Seriously, for the sake of anyone who's ever loved Harry Potter, just stop, please. <sighs> okay, let's move on, Mike. Let's move on to a good movie, shall we? Um, it's one of the biggest movies of the year. It's been in like development for like 10 years. Uh, I just saw it this week. It's called Top Gun Maverick. Uh, This is a sequel to the 80s film Top Gun. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. He's eventually called back to Top Gun to teach top aviators for a dangerous mission. He stars Tom Cruise as Pete Mitchell. We've also got uh, Miles Teller, Val Kilmer, John Hamm, um, Jennifer Connelly, um, who else is in this? Ed Harris, among others. Um, long time in the making here, Mike. And I, I, like I said, I just went and saw this this week. I think you saw it a, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get to the theater to see this. This was a movie that you yeah. got to see in the theater. Absolutely. See, it the, see it on the big screen, folks. It's worth yeah, it. You've, you've got to, Mike, because this movie, if it does, and it does a lot of things well, but, but one thing that I think this movie does better than anything isn't that I love it so much is it reminds us why movies are great. It reminds us why mm-hmm. we go to the theater. You know, this felt like throwback old school blockbuster where it's a big summer blockbuster. Everyone's going to the movie to see it because that's just what you did. And I'm seeing comments from people, you know, my sister, uh, other people who haven't really gone to the theater in a long, long time. And they went to the theater to see this. And it sort of reminded them 
why we go to movie theaters because it is a different experience than watching in the convenience of your home. And this movie, the way it was produced, the way it was shot, it reminds us of that wholeheartedly. Um, and there's a lot of things that I like about it that I'll get into, but this really felt like a throwback to a, a time before streaming, you know, and ultimately it's a massive crowd pleaser and what a summer blockbuster is meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie, um, I, I would actually recommend go back and rewatch Top Gun before you see this. That's what I did. I think it's I think it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Um, I hadn't seen Top Gun in a long time. I remember seeing it when I was younger. I liked it, but it wasn't like this. I don't know. It was it wasn't like this defining like movie for me. I think for like it was for a lot of people, but it was it was fine. I thought it was an enjoyable film. Um, but it's I think it was good just to rewatch it just before you go see this. You don't have to, but. You know, maybe just like watch like a YouTube like re- rehash. Just because there's, there's ten some... minute recaps on YouTube. Yeah, because there's definitely tributes and like little moments that call back to the first one that kind of help like a little bit and like, make you enjoy the experience more. But you won't miss anything. Um, but yeah, so this follows Maverick. Uh, he's still a pilot, uh, but he's not rising the ranks because he's got this you know uh, I do what I want attitude and he doesn't play by their rules, and so. Uh, he has to go become now the the new teacher at at the Top Gun Academy, and his student is Goose's son, who holds a little bit of a grudge. So it's very interesting to watch Maverick now take the role of a teacher, and that's a really interesting dynamic to see someone who has the I don't play by the rules, but now you have to like teach people the rules. <laughs> Um, teach them how to be you, so to speak. And uh, that's a very interesting dynamic that they put the character through. Um, I also just want to say this movie does a really nice job of paying respect to um, Val Kilmer's character. Uh, Val Kilmer has been through some tough things the last couple of years. If anyone doesn't know, he's essentially lost his voice. He had cancer. Um, so I, they were, they wanted to get Val Kilmer back in the film as, you know, ice, ice man or whatever, but it was hard for him to do that because he's obviously been going through some very physical stuff. The actor has, but they get ice man back in a really special way. And that scene with Val Kilmer, I thought was maybe the, like the best scene in the whole movie. It's really emotional. It really does hit you. And and Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer act acted out and they do a great job. Um, so yeah, this movie comes with a lot of great action, but there's also like a lot of heart in this movie and a lot of good character development and, and writing. Like, I think that's something that everyone's going to talk about the planes and, and the visuals and stuff, but really like, this is just, this movie just hits the equation of character development and writing and, you know, process. And it's, it's just a really well done story with a very consistent character uh, chart throughout it. So at the core of this movie is just good writing. And that was really nice to see. Um, I think that's part of the reason why this movie is so popular. Yeah. I mean, the way I agree, the way they used Val Kilmer's illness to sort of make an impactful statement within the movie, because, you know, he's writing on this computer when he's just writing these quick, succinct sentences, you know, telling Tom Cruise what he needs to hear but then at the end when he's he's still it's still not working he uses his voice to speak up and tell him what he needs to hear Um, and that was just really powerful because you know it was really hard for him to do that in real life and within his character within the movie and so it just had this extra punch that he knew in that moment that Maverick needs to hear what he needs to hear and that's sort of the turning point for Maverick in a lot of ways within the movie but this movie, you know, it's made a billion dollars. You wonder why. Like, what, what is it about this movie that has drawn people in? I think it's because it, it has a very wide-ranging appeal, this movie does. You know, you've got for people who are into, uh, you know, high-flying action, for who are just action junkies, you've obviously got that with these authentic stunts with the, with the fighter jets and Tom Cruise's crazy ass doing all this stuff because, yeah. you know, he's well-known for that. Um, so you've got the action junkies check. If you're into love stories, I thought his relationship with Penny, his ex-girlfriend played by Jennifer Connelly, who just looks amazing in this movie. Uh, I, I think that they that was that that sort of love story felt really authentic as sort of, you know, people reconfronting each other after 
you know, so many years, you can just tell right away that these two have a history and we sort of see their relationship develop into something more throughout it. And again, there's the constant theme of, of Tom Cruise having to confront his path past. And that's just another way uh, that they do it. And then you've also sort of got, and this is weird in a movie, you know, about fighter jets and, and war. This movie almost feels like a sports movie in a lot of ways, Mike, because you've got, <laughs> you've got yeah, like, yeah. you've got like Tom Cruise leading this team yeah. and the team is, is, you know, going through the, <laughs> oh, we all hate each other. They're clashing, but then yeah. they have these milestones where you see them coming together and it all leads up to the big game at the end, which is the mission. And we're like, are they going to accomplish the mission? And then they do. And then at the end, you know, after you know, Maverick and, and Miles Teller get back from their, you know, sort of extra bonus mission. Uh, you know, everyone's cheering and it feels like the team won the big game. So I feel like it, this movie just taps into a lot of good things. Um, and it, it, there's something for everyone in this. You know, if, if you're if you're one of the you know, if you're a former military guy who's into, you know, patriotic stuff, it taps into that stuff. There's a lot going there's I think this movie appeals to a lot of different people. And I think that's probably why it's grossing so well. Yeah, and if you like uh, the Death Star trench run in Star Wars: A New Hope, or or you like Ace Combat, you're really gonna like the final mission in this movie because it's basically the same mission. <laughs> can any can can any known pilot actually <laughs> accomplish that mission? It seems like it probably not. Like, yeah, <laughs> like but, when yeah. they do the inversion thing, like flying down the canyon, and then they've got to like pull it all the way up, and then these missiles fly after him. I yeah. mean, the action in this is incredible, Mike. Yeah, is what what is cool about this is like, yeah, there, there's there is CGI like, but but a lot of the shots of them in those planes is really just them in those planes getting like, you know, turned and stuff. It's, you, and you can tell like some of the scenes with Tom Cruise, you're like, this is real. Like my eyes are just telling me that this is real. Like that light matches the way the camera's shaking matches the way like you know, the way he's moving, the way like certain things on his helmet are moving the other way when he moves this way. It's like, yep, this is real. Like, and I think that's something that is that people do like about Tom Cruise movies is that, you know, with a lot of his stunts, it's, it just, it looks real. Cause a lot of times it is real. Like he's, he will literally hang off the side of a giant plane as it takes off. He'll literally hang off the side of the world's tallest building. You know, um, I, I give this guy credit where it comes to stunts like i think tom cruise really has paved the way for a lot of stuff with stunts and these movies is definitely no exception the guy's um, 60 years old yeah and he's got he's got a new mission impossible coming out this year too where he does all that crazy stuff it's like and he, he looks nuts. younger than me like i'm 35 oh, dude, the guy's jacked <laughs> the guy's still jacked we get the we get the a clever throwback to the to the volleyball scene Oh, this, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. but i appreciated that because they didn't just put it in for no reason like it sort of served a purpose within the story to show that you know the team was coming together and they were out there having fun with each other and also the idea that they're playing uh a form of football we're on offense and defense at the same time is practical for a because it relates to dog fighting we're on offense and yeah. defense at the same time um so you know I, I guess you know obviously that's fan service to people who remember the iconic volleyball shirtless scene you know they're obviously just doing that as fan service but i thought it worked within the story i mean everyone knows what they're doing but at least it wasn't just thrown yeah. in for no reason you know yeah i do feel like we've had a lot of movies that have been like retro reboots or you know sequels or prequels that like they do a ton of fan base like you know service stuff callbacks you know and some of them, like, I love, like, the way Creed did it, I thought wink, it was wink. great. Yeah, yeah, the way sometimes the Star Wars sequels did felt kind of forced. But this this kind of feels more like Creed. Like, this is like, okay, that kind of fits in with the plot. Like, that's a funny little moment that doesn't distract from what's happening or from the characters or their development or their choices. Like, all the, all the callbacks in this film, they do pretty much work. And, and yeah. they're nice little nods. They don't steal the show, but they're but they're there just like as a little. There you go. Like, and some of them even kind of work as really. Oh yeah, like this would be the the first time this character's seeing this. So that is like a beautiful moment for them, or, um, or even like when they have to finally fly at the end, they have to use the old plane, and mm -hmm. the you know the, the F fourteen Comcat is now like now it's a challenge of could this kind of plane like how do you use this kind of plane in today's. <laughs> world how do you like you have to outthink your enemy now you have to do all this other stuff like the way they bring the callbacks in actually create challenges for the character that are interesting and uh mm -hmm. yeah overall i just say this was definitely one of the best movies i saw this year it was just 
this was a good popcorn flick with uh, some nice nostalgia and um, yeah, well done. Well done, and Top you, Gun Maverick. A lot, and you've got it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Honestly, <laughs> I agree. I didn't. I expect because Top Gun to me is it's a good movie, but I think it's overrated uh, personally. Um, so, like, I mean, I'm sure like in the '80s when that came out and all the fighter jet stuff was happening, it was like mind blowing. You know, in the same way that Star Wars and New Hope was. But you know, so maybe it just doesn't hold up as well. But this movie has like the '80s score in it. It has sort of like that '80s corniness to it but for some reason it works in this you know it's almost like they're channeling that sort of 80s aesthetic in this movie but to sort of keep it inconsistent with it but it does work within this I I guess my one criticism was you know sometimes it is a little bit like on the nose with the one-liners and trying to be cool and you know it's a little bit cheesy at times I would say but you know what that's okay it's a big summer blockbuster it's a feel good it's a crowd pleaser so you're gonna have that stuff in there and ultimately, that's what this movie is. It's There's a lot of those moments in this movie where, you know, it's like, like I said, you're watching a sports movie and you get that feel good moment when the team's coming together or, you know, when they land on the deck at the end and everyone's cheering. And ultimately, this movie leaves you with just a good feeling. Yeah. So um, and that's fun, you know, especially, you know, in the, today's day and age when, you know, it's easy to get beat down in today's world and social media and, you know, our politics being divisive and wars going on. So it's fun to just have a movie that is just a good time at the theater and sort of reminds us uh, of the magic of the movies. So, uh, you know, I appreciated it from that sense for sure. And uh, I also, I did also notice that, you know, they make sure not to really tell us who the bad guys are, you know, it's just kind of generic. They don't want to call anyone out, you know, although it kind of looks like we're in like Siberia, Russia territory, you know, there with the snowy mountains and the forest. So that's kind of what I drew from it, but uh, they definitely were making a point not to tell us who the bad guys were. You know? Yeah, it's, Ra- it's uh, random terrorists group. <laughs> yeah, it's Antagonistan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Antagonistan. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Uh, so, anything else on Top Gun? I honestly, with plot wise, I I thought Tom Cruise was gonna die. I really did. I really thought he was gonna have to sacrifice himself. And then when that happened in the movie, I was like, oh well, that happened quickly. There's no way he's going out that way. And then you sort of get like this little bonus mission that pits him directly with Miles Teller. So I guess I should have seen that coming that eventually they were going to have to team up in the same airplane and he was going to take the place of goose. Uh, So I guess I should have seen that coming, but um, I guess I didn't expect that little extra, like when they both crash and they're in the woods. Uh, I thought that was going to go on for like another half hour, but they kind of add up pretty quick after that. Yeah. I'd give this one, uh, I'd give it an A minus. This is a pretty fun watch. I gave it a nine out of 10, which is my highest grade. So it's, it jumped into my number one spot. Um, I just think this movie is everything you wanted it to be, honestly. Uh, and you, you got to see it in the theater because, you know, it'll still be cool at home on your big screen, but without the sound and, and, and everything in the theater, I'm not sure it's going to be the same effect. You know, there's certain movies that come along like, like Dune or Dunkirk or, 1917 or these movies that are just like these huge spectacles you got to see them on the big screen or it's not going to have the same effect yeah yeah i think this is a good one to see on the big screen if you feel safe you know go, go check it out safe about what i don't know there's stuff like you know covid's like i, I know a lot of people who got covid right oh. now Monkey poxes going around apparently. We all gotta be careful. So you know, who knows? I am not hiding from monkey pox, Mike. I swear to God. Uh all right. You got anything else on Top Gun or we get? Uh another thing about Fantastic Beasts. I just think no, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> we are done with that bullshit. We're never talking about it again. I don't no. want to hear Fantastic Beasts come out of either of our mouths ever again. Okay. Look, uh, let us let us know some stuff y'all want us to watch. Uh We've we've definitely been talking about doing stuff that's not just talking about the movies we're watching. Like I I have a, I I got a new I found a new game at a at a garage sale where it's like movie trivia. Maybe we could play that. That might be fun. Uh, we can talk about trends. We've had some trends we've been texting each other about where we're like, why is this happening with movies? Or um, I've also been like going back and watching movies. Like so I had never I had never seen any of the studio Ghibli films. And that is something I made a goal this year that I wanted to watch like a bunch of Studio Ghibli films. And I've seen like uh, most of the films that, uh, oh, I'm going to mess up his name, Miyazaki. I've seen most yeah. of his films now. And I'd, I'd be happy to like spend just 10 minutes, 15 minutes talking about those movies. 
Yeah, I want to watch them too because I've only ever seen my neighbor Totoro, so I need to go back and watch yeah. those, and then we can probably do that. Just have a general conversation about which ones we liked most, uh, stuff like that. So we've got um, other stuff we can talk about. If y'all have any stuff you want us to talk about um, with movies or ideas, like let us know. Yeah, I agree. You guys know where to hit us up, and uh, we're happy to review other things. And I just watched Michael Bay's Ambulance movie, which was surprisingly not terrible. For Michael Bay so we'll take that it's his highest rated movie uh in a long time so uh it was a little too long though two minutes and 15 minutes too long but so just know that sometimes we watch stuff that we don't review for example we both watched the documentary the girl in the picture and we both thought it was so heartbreaking and awful that we were like do we want to talk about this movie no we don't I was like I, I don't really know back. what to talk about it's other than how sad and, is, Mike. It's, yeah it was a sad awful terrible thing that happened to a ton of people Go watch it and depress yourself. Like, you know, uh, so we don't always talk about all the movies we watch, but just maybe the ones that we think will be a little bit more interesting or interest us. Um, you know, I know that I, I still need to see Thor. Uh, I think you still need to see Elvis. Um, we both have seen Persuasion. These are some things we might talk about next time. I don't know if we'll ever review Chip and Dale, but I know we've both seen that. <laughs> I do have some interesting things to say about that, so maybe we should. But uh... I actually do too. We maybe should <laughs> talk about Chip and Dale because I think that movie. Yeah, there's a lot to it, unpack there. That movie surprised That's... me, honestly. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll get to that. We 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 there's plenty of stuff. Know that we're always watching stuff, film fans. Uh, it never stops with me and Mike. We are dedicated, uh, and we love the cinema, so we watch it all the time. But let's get out of here, Mike. We're pushing an hour. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. Uh, for bingo champion, Mike Nichols, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you.